Managing a ranch in today's industry is different than it was years ago, and it continues to change. So what are the skills a manager needs on today's ranch? I think that diversity of experience only adds to the toolbox of a person that's going to either eventually go back to the family ranch and manage that or manage for other ownership. Rick Machen with the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management is my guest as he shares with us three umbrella areas that are critical for professional ranch managers. And that's what separates, in our opinion, separates the professional ranch manager from just good, solid ranch managers. If you have aspirations of being a ranch manager, either for your family ranch or someone else, maybe you're in a current management position or you're the owner. Today's show will provide you with some tremendous insight on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. everyone, this is the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills, and we're glad to have you tuned in and joining us. This is episode 131, and before we get too far, I want to just mention this. Did you have an opportunity to listen to last week's show, episode 130, entitled Ranch Succession Plan, Your Legacy? As Dan Childs with the Noble Research Institute joined us to talk on that subject, boy, I tell you what, succession planning, if you're a ranching operation and you haven't been through it, it's probably knocking on the door, so a great show that really addresses an issue that's big to a lot of us here in the ranching industry. Kind of dovetails a bit with today's show as we're going to be talking on what are the skills needed for today's ranch manager. As Rick Manchin with the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management is going to be joining us, he and I are going to discuss this and he's also going to share with us three umbrella areas that are critical for ranch managers in today's world. There's a lot of different aspects that people are coming into the ranch management business. Uh, It could be all the way from you grew up on a ranch and want to uh, get back to the family ranch or you grew up on a ranch and the the door to go back to the family is not there so you're going to have to look at some other opportunities and various different ways that you can get into those types of positions but all in all what are the skills needed because things have changed since early years you can go back to granddad and your dad's time frame or even last 15 or 20 years they change and they're continuing to change so what are the skills needed for today's ranch manager. That is our subject today. Rick Machen with the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management is our guest on that. Now, I got to get square with you here because if you joined us towards the tail end of last week's show, I told you the Don Day would be on to give us our fall and winter outlook. Well, here's the deal. He's on the road down to New Mexico and the audio quality wasn't going to be quite as good as I'd like to have a show like that. And so I said, let's put it on to next week. But keep in mind, he's still going to be with us towards the end of this show as we're going to catch up with him while he's traveling down to New Mexico and we'll get our seven to 10 day weather outlook for today's program. That'll be towards the end of our show here today. Real quick, a thank you to our sponsors of the Working Ranch Radio Show, Vitalix. Livestock is your livelihood. Tubs are our expertise. Vitalix, the true blue tub. Find out more at vitalix.com. And the American Gelvie Association, a highly fertile, moderately framed cow that raises high-performing calves even in tough environments. The Gelvie cow's efficient use of resources make her the picture of sustainability in today's modern beef industry. Find out more at gelvie.org. 
and Tank Toad, your remote water monitoring system, all from the convenience of your phone. Powered by solar, satellite, and cell, you can keep an eye on your water supply with a daily text message. Call Metal Arc Solutions today for tank monitors, well controllers, generators, and more. 801-252-6135. It's tanktoad.com. For more information, it's what we use here on the X-Ring Ranch. Well, now let's check in with the Captain Tim O'Byrne for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. You know, sometimes Working Ranch Magazine isn't always about producing the best beef that the world has to offer. It's about the people that do it. And I just got my September-October issue, advanced copy, hot off the press. And I got to tell you, on page 90, we had a submission by... Ashley Dixon, Oklahoma rancher, bringing Bernie Smith home. Bernie is her father who passed away tragically some miles from their home in an accident. And when it came time to bring Bernie's body back to town, Bernie's oldest granddaughter, Cody, who she was very tight with her papa, decided that she wanted to make sure he came home in style. And so she organized a procession down the main street there in town, and she was gonna lead it on a sorrel horse that Papa had given her some time ago. And the photograph that goes with this poignant story is is just a, a snapshot of our lives. It's Cody on a sorrel horse, red shirt with the American flag leading the procession and just uh, you can see the sadness and the pride on her face and we are just so proud to be able to bring stories like this of inspiration and thanks and pride to our readership we thank you so much Ashley for uh, submitting this to us check it out page 90 September-October issue. Justin, back to you. Well, I tell you, what can you say after you hear a story like that, other than to be grateful that here in rural America, that we're far from the dysfunctions that we see in some of these large populated cities, and we can appreciate life, we respect life, and we respect others, and I'm sure looking forward to reading that article. Well, stay with us, more of the Working Ranch Radio Show when we come back. There are lots of nutrition tubs out there but none can match the True Blue commitment of Vitalix. Our tubs offer you the most concentrated nutrition at the lowest cost per day. That means more profit for your operation and improved performance for your cow herd. In fact, research shows Vitalix tubs increase feed efficiency by 20% while boosting conception rates, herd health, and weaning weights. Learn more at Vitalix.com. Vitalix, the True Blue Tub. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we continue now with our program here today, heading into our featured interview and topic for today. And it really is a topic that's kind of kind of important, I feel, for, for myself. And I think it's important for our industry as a whole because when we look and, and see that the, at some point in each of our respective ranches, 
there's going to be that transition that takes place. And when that transition takes place, there's a new set of managers or a new set of, of kids or, or folks that are taking over the place. In addition to that, we've also got a situation set up in such a way in our ranching industry to where uh, there's just some dynamics that makes it really tough for some kids that might have grown up on a ranch environment to want to go back to the ranch and know that just going out and buying a ranch isn't something that's a real doable thing in these times where these, we see the uh, land price is extremely high. So today our subject as we're looking at potential uh, folks that are wanting to get into ranching and wanting to manage a ranch or maybe it's kids that grew up on a ranch that knows that they can't go back home but would like to ranch what are the types and skills that they would need to possess as they move forward? And maybe you are somebody that is uh, currently on a ranching situation and, and it might be good for you to hear in terms of our conversation here today. What are some of the skills that in today's ranching industry you should possess? So joining me here today to talk a little bit about that is Rick Machen. He is a professor at the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management at Texas A&M and the uh, Paul Janot Endowed Chair there. Rick, first of all, I want to thank you for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Absolutely, Justin. It's always a pleasure to visit with you. Thank you for having me today on the show. Well, this subject really is, as I said, passionate for me because I, I really have a desire to see our ranching industry have sustainability. And when I say sustainability, I'm not necessarily talking one aspect. I'm talking the fact that we see this continue on for, for many, many years. And, and so that's where some of this stems from. And so there really have been some changes to our industry compared to what the previous generation or the generation ahead of that, than what we are seeing today in the, just the overall running it and managing it. And that's something that you guys have to have, have seen over the last several years at the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management. Yeah, sure. Um, and I'm reminded of a a comment that was made uh, by a speaker I listened to just last week, and I wish I could remember who the comment originated with, but the, the comment was, change will never occur as slow as it is progressing today. In other words, you know, things are changing and will continue to change. And I just think, uh, I think over just was thinking about some of the broad topics of change and the first that comes to mind is, is the cost. Mm -hmm. We know what costs are. Was in a conversation the other day about what the first pickup that I bought cost, and it was way less than ten thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah. And now the cost, just for example, the, the just the cost of doing business uh, every time we turn around is going up, and consequently, it seems like our profit margins continue to get squeezed. The the we're in a global marketplace more so than we've ever been before. Mm -hmm. uh, Twenty years ago. We didn't really talk much about that, but you think today how much value is contributed to a fed steer heifer by the, the products that are that are exported and our export customers around the world, and then as well as in our domestic consumers. And we oftentimes talk about how uh, every generation that comes along is one more generation further removed from production agriculture. They've never pulled a peach off a tree, a tomato off or a vine or gathered an egg out from under a hen. And so all they know is what they read and what they're told about their food supply. So our responsibility to educate the consumer is growing every day. And then the consumer's expectations for the quality of our product. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you look at the industry and you look at the weekly reports and we're, we're at 80% choice or better on our beef uh, nationally today and amongst the fed steers and heifers. And the consumer has come to expect our quality in our product, and they've demonstrated, at least to this point, they're willing to pay for that quality. 
as we look at beef compared to the competing proteins of pork and poultry. So yeah, tons of change. Yeah. It's been a long time uh, since we were able, at least in Texas, and I think it applies to other states as well. Uh, it's been a long time, probably 40 plus years uh, since we've been able to buy a piece of ground and pay for it with just production agriculture alone. Uh, so to your point, as much as uh, some of us really wanted to go back to the grandfather's or father's uh, operation, the family operation, there either wasn't enough room for all the siblings or just wasn't enough there to support a family. Uh, and so it just gets tougher as you think about real estate costs relative to agriculture productivity. Mm-hmm. Well, Rick, and I think one of the things that you guys have sort of led the way or been one of the leaders, that's for sure, in our industry as a whole, in recognizing the dynamics of what's going on in the industry and knowing that we need to be training up ranch managers. We need to be going through that. And and it's not just kids that grew up on ranches or and maybe able to go back to their family ranch, but that's not always the case. As we said, it's going to be uh, folks that go back and are managing a ranch for somebody different. I think you saw that early on and and embrace that. We start to see a few more institutions across the country now doing some ranch management, but really that's something that you guys have seen early on that to me, it's really been something that's pretty important as we move forward. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you think about the, the reason that the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management was founded uh, 20 years ago this year, the King Ranch family at that time could see the need for professional ranch managers that to manage large complex operations like theirs and many others that are scattered around the country. And so that was largely the reason behind the foundation of the Institute. And that remains one of our primary goals today is to, to train young men and women to professionally manage ranchers. And I think we're going to talk in a subsequent uh, a session about the skills that we think are critical for that. But, you know, there is, I would offer a word of encouragement to young people out there. And I'll use uh, uh, one of our recent graduates, as an example, there is opportunity in agriculture and you don't necessarily have to have grown up in a farming ranching scenario. We just had a young lady come through our program, graduated this past uh, spring. She was born and raised in May. Her father was, her family was in the construction business. She had no exposure to animal agriculture really at all until she got in high school and she had friends that were in the FFA program and was exposed to their animals. Felt a calling to that as her, you know, maybe as a career. She left Maine, went all the way to Montana State University and got an undergraduate degree in animal science ag business. Uh, worked in every segment of the industry as an undergraduate. And then after farming, ranching, raising hay, cabin heifers, worked for a breed association. Came here to our program, was very successful and is now working for a very large ranch in, in Northwest Wyoming uh, and spills over the border into to Montana. So I use her as an example of a young person with ambition that was interested in passion about agriculture, didn't grow up in it, uh, but she's well on the way to a very successful career uh, in ranch management. Uh, so there's there's opportunity for those that are interested. Yeah. You know, Rick, one of the things I guess I feel is, is part of this, and I think we've we've even done a show here on the Working Ranch Radio Show, and it was entitled Why Junior Shouldn't Come Back to the Ranch. And it wasn't necessarily saying Junior shouldn't come back to the ranch, but it was really getting at the point of getting Junior to a point to where before they come back to the ranch, where they can learn a lot of skills and, and get trained up in that. 
before they come back to ranch. I look at similarly that in that vein with the idea of, you know, what you have going on there with the King Ranch Institute. To me, I, I if somebody had asked me one time, you know, about that, I said, kind of like a master's program, you know, you know, maybe go to college, get some animal science, some ag business or things like that. And there's some elements with that that's almost like a master's program. That's the way I view it as. And I, and to me, I, I look at this and, and you talked about a, a young lady that moved from Maine that really didn't have a ranching background. So you got that aspect. And then you also got kids that grew up on a ranch. And I think it's important for everybody to realize you don't have to go back to the family ranch. It is a business. It is a professional business. And that's something I think really a mindset that they need to consider. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, for sure. And, and again, that was our initial and remains our charge is to, to train professional uh, ranch managers. And so I think that getting experience and exposure, whether they go to college and then I think it's a great thing if, if the family can afford it, go get a job and work in the industry elsewhere, work in finance, work in another segment of the beef industry other than cow cap, work in a feed yard, maybe work for a packer. I think that diversity of experience only adds to the toolbox of a person that's going to either eventually go back to the family ranch and manage that or manage for other ownership. Mm -hmm. And so it gets back to our original discussion about change. Mm -hmm. So things are changing so fast outside or away from the ranch that if we grew up with Dan and we always did it dad's way for the reasons dad did it, those reasons may not be valid anymore. So I think that breadth of exposure uh, is critical. We require uh, candidates uh, to have three to five years minimum beyond the bachelor's degree before they apply to come to our program. We we think that maturity is important, the demonstration that they're passionate about the industry. But again, that broader exposure uh, to different segments of the industry only makes them more well prepared to be a manager and, and participate in our program. Mm-hmm. Very good. Rick Machen is my guest here today. He is the Paul Janot Endowed Chair of Ranch Management at the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management at Texas A&M. We haven't really got yet into our our full aspect of our show of, of what we really are going to be talking about because I felt it was important for he and I to have some discussion to tee this up. And we're really going to be getting into what are the skills that a, a ranch manager in today's industry should have. And you might be somebody sitting out in the tractor or the feed pickup here today listening to this show and say, well, I'm all already on a ranch, but I feel like I made, maybe am I doing everything I, I could be doing to be a better ranch manager? Maybe you're in that position. Maybe you're somebody that wants to be a ranch manager. And today, this show is for you and for all of us here in the industry as well to hear what some of these skills are. When we come back, we're going to jump right into those when we return here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today is Rick Machen. He is the Paul Janot Endowed Chair in Ranch Management at the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management. I appreciate him joining us here on our program today as we are going to get into the main thing that we are here today to talk about, and that is what are the skills that ranch managers should have in today's ranching industry? Now, keep in mind, as I said when we left, out of the last segment, this isn't just for folks that want to someday be a ranch manager, but it could be for folks that are already in a ranch management situation. Maybe you 
went to a few years of college or, or various things like that. And you're wondering, man, I just, I want to be able to turn the leaf here uh, and make some changes in the ranch that I'm on right now. And maybe it's a family ranch or maybe it's one you're working for. But either way, I think you're going to find some value in our discussion here today. Rick, you've got about three things or three kind of umbrella things within each of those things are some subcategories and specific skills. So let's get into the first one that you identified, and that is tactical skills. What are you meaning by that? Yeah. Well, again, Justin, it's great to be with you on the show, and I've look, been looking forward to this discussion. And, and tactical may not be the most appropriate word. It's just the word that I use. But, but those skills are the day-to-day chores that we all grew up doing. The, the natural resource management, let's include soil, forages, water, the natural resources, and then the animal management component of that. The day-to-day grind of taking care of the cattle, the sheep, the logs, other domestic livestock, horses, whatever it might be. And then the third part of that is the infrastructure, maintenance, how to take care of roads, fences, water infrastructure, all that kind of stuff, keep it in good repair and working. So the things under the tactical skills umbrella uh, that I think a ranch manager has to have command of, the things that most of us that grew up in a farmer ranch environment. We grew up watching dad or grandpa or aunt or uncle, or whatever, and we just learned by doing. I, I think today's ranch manager to be effective needs to know how to do those things um, and do them well. And more importantly, know what it takes to get those things done. You know, managers of large complex ranches, businesses don't have the luxury, uh, typically from the time standpoint of being out there you know, being horseback every day or three days a week, but they need to be able to do those skills and, and demonstrate to the, to the folks that are working for them that, Hey, they can do them and do them well, but they know what it takes to get it done. I think that only helps them command the respect of the people that they're supervising to know, Hey, I not only can I do it, I'm willing to get out there, be there in the Brandon PM, be there at weaning, checking nippers, moving irrigation pipe, whatever the case might be. So those tactical skills are absolutely huge. And as we look at candidates that are applying to the Institute, we, we pretty much expect them because we're only a two year master of science program. We expect them to come with those skills. We don't have the time mm-hmm. or the geographic diversity of knowledge yeah. that it would take to act to, to completely train a person to go manage a ranch anywhere in the 48 states. Mm-hmm. And that may be something as we talked about our, our different segments of folks listening here today. You know, they might say, well, I understand that, you know, I, I know that, but I, I still, I still think there's things inside of that. To me, there's things inside of that umbrella, Rick, of tactical skills that I, we're, we're also seeing some changes in our industry. When you talk about our understanding our natural resources, I think that's, we really have seen that dialed in a little bit more in the last 10 to 15 years of really getting that figured out. And that's stuff that still, there's still things in that you might say, well, I grew up on a ranch. But there's still things in the tactical skills that are changing today that weren't around 30 or 40 years ago. Is that right? Yeah, I would totally agree. You know, the, the recent focus on regenerative management, meaning taking care of the natural resources so that they can produce to their potential and be sustainable. The, the focus that we devoted to the soil, that's where it all starts. The, the whole photosynthetic process, we kind of we we learned those we learned those processes and the importance of those in grade school and then we just kind of forgot them. But I think that's been beneficial to the industry and certainly to the natural resources. Our return, 
our focus to the soil and the forages because that's really well, that's what we're in the business of doing is is harvesting uh, those carbohydrates that are a result of the sun's energy and we turn that into protein milk and and the valuable commodities that we can market through our domestic livestock and wildlife. Mm-hmm. You use the phrase tactical and you said, I don't know if it's really the right phrase. I think it is. You know, you look up the definition of tactical and it's constituting actions carefully planned to gain an end, to get to it, you know, means to an end. So I think you, I think your definition of that is, is right on. I think uh, when we look at the tactical skill umbrella a, as a whole, you know, I think in for, at first, as, as you were talking about that, some of us might say, well, I know that. I already know what those things are. But do we really, just as you talked a little bit about the focus that we're seeing in some regenerative agriculture and some of the natural resources, we've also seen changes in how we manage livestock and how we develop our infrastructure. So even those, we might say, well, I grew up and I understand that, but you can't ever get to a point where you feel like you've got it all mastered. Yeah, true. It, you know, and a, and a great example there, a personal example, I, I've had the good fortune to be uh, involved with um, Texas A&M efforts on low-strength stockmanship and um, effective stockmanship, and I've gotten to travel not only a lot around Texas, but to, uh, several other states around the country and, and speak about uh, the low-stress stockmanship and, and talk about it and demonstrate it a few times. And it's amazing when you visit with people early on in those in those programs or meetings and you what you know? What are you talking about today? Oh, low stress stockmanship. Yeah, yeah, we've been doing that. Been doing that for a long time. And then you go to these operations, and it doesn't take very long. I mean, five minutes or less, you can figure out whether they got it down and whether they're truly low stress stockmen or they just profess to be. Mm-hmm. So it's a great example yeah. of how the way Grandpa did it may not be the most efficient and effective and consumer acceptable way to get those things done today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So tactical skills, kind of that first area. And I think as you touched on a little bit there, that's where that experience, you know, getting out, working at some someplace else, you can get a, a further handle on maybe beyond what you, how you already learned it. One of the things as you were talking about tactical skills, you said you as a ranch manager, you kind of need to know this stuff because this, some of that stuff may be what the boots on the ground. If you have somebody working for you might be doing. And if you really don't know how to do it, there's might be a, a little sliver of respect that kind of goes away, which leads us to our next skill, and that is managing people. Yeah, for sure. You know, as we visit with, have the opportunity to visit with large managers of large complex ranches or ranches of any size across the country, and, and you visit with them and say, what are your challenges? What, what, on a day-to-day basis, what's the biggest challenges? When I came to the Institute, I thought those challenges would be the natural resources, livestock, marketing, animal health, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Not so. Almost to the person when you visit with these, with today's ranch managers, communication across the ranch is going to be one of the, always going to be in the top three, as is people management. Uh, and the people management skills, the really good managers have got it figured out how to effectively manage the people that are working for or with them. And that may be managed fellow family members, or it may be managing a whole fleet of, of employees that are, that are not related to ownership. But effective people management is absolutely key. We all appreciate how difficult uh, it is to find labor today, and especially in a ranch environment uh, or a, a feed yard where you're asking them to be out in the elements in the wintertime, um, in the heat of the summer, 
Um, it's it's not the the most comfortable working environment. It's a phenomenal lifestyle. It's a phenomenal experience. But the ability to recruit good people and retain those people and develop those people, and I think it's a continuous process for all of us as the manager, as the owner, or as an employee. To be really good, we have to be a lifelong learner, uh, and just the ability to manage those people, get the best out of them, and get the have the best for them is an absolute absolute requirement. Right, ranch man. Mm-hmm. You know, and as you were talking about that, and we said managing people, I'm, I'm sure there were some folks. Even though you said it didn't matter the size of operation, but I think initially people just thought, well. You know, it's just me and and my wife or me and a hired hand. That's it. I don't really need to manage people. But I, when we talk about managing people, yeah, it's our people that were working with us. For example, I've got a t-shirt that I, I got after branding one year and please forgive me for what I said today, working cows. You know, it's the relationship with your spouse. It's the relationship with your kids. It's the relationship with the people that you come and help. And also it's the relationship you have with your neighbors. So managing people, don't think of it just as an employee thing. It's being diplomatic. It's understanding people and how to deal with them. Yeah, for sure. And, and some of the greatest challenges are are managing family members. My wife and I have been married 40 years and we discovered a long time ago, it's best if she doesn't try to help me at the pins. Because again, you know, it's back to the, it's the people management skill. I've been doing it since I was in junior high. I didn't have the good fortune of growing up in it, but started in junior high. And so I know what I think ought to be done, but back to that communication part, I don't always communicate it well. And then things go sideways and uh, we all know how that goes. So yeah, please forgive me for the things I've said Yeah, as we were working today. So yeah, but again, people's skills are critically important in life. To your point of, of managing neighbors, I think one of the things that that we see coming back and being more popular today is the whole idea of neighboring. You know, we used to all get together and the neighbors would come help us brand and we'd go help the neighbors brand. I think we're going to see that return. And I know it's still in, in the Northern Great Plains, the Great Basin, uh, they, those ranches do a whole lot better job than we do in the, in the Southern Great Plains these days. But I think we're going to get back to some of that because labor is hard to get, hard to come by, especially experienced labor, skilled labor. I think that idea of neighboring and helping the neighbor, which involves people management skills, is going to be more important as we look to the future. Yeah, for sure. Do unto others as you would have them, what you'd want done to you is kind of a key phrase in that whole deal. We're going to take a break here, folks. My guest today is Rick Machen. He is the Paul Janot Endowed Chair at the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management. We are talking specifically on what are some of the skills that ranch managers are needed in today's ranching industry. We've talked about a few things, tactical skills, managing people, and we're going to get into the third umbrella of things when we return here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. A sustainable ranch is one that can do more with less. And for beef producers, it can start right at the herd level with a cow that's efficient with her resources and environment. And in today's modern industry, Gelvy females are the picture of sustainability. Gelvy and Balancer cattle are early maturing with maternal superiority through increased longevity, added fertility, and more pounds of calf wean per cow exposed. Adaptable 
versatile and sustainable, all factors that have a positive impact on your bottom line. Gelvy Influence Females, the smart, reliable, and profitable maternal choice for achieving sustainability in today's modern beef industry. Be sustainable, breed Gelvy. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. As we continue with our show here today, our topic is on what are the skills needing in being a ranch manager in today's ranching industry. And, and you could already be managing your family's ranch and or be set to be on your family's ranch or wanting to be a ranch manager down the road. These are the things that we're talking about here today that if you're looking at doing that, you know, kind of perk your ears up here a little bit because this is, this is the subject, these are the things we're talking about. My guest today is Rick Machen. He is the Paul Janot Endowed Chair at the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management. And we've already covered a few things here. The first umbrella of things, there were some sub subcategories under that. And I encourage you to go back and you can listen to what that was in case you had to step away from your radio or, the, or your computer for a period of time. First one was on tactical skills. Then we talked about managing people. We're going to get into the third thing. And Rick, when I look at this, there really is these three things. I, the picture that came to my mind was of a three-legged stool. And if you don't have one, the other two don't work. It's a, they, they all kind of can work together and they all need each other to make this work. So when we get into this third leg of that stool, it's about business management skills. Expand on that a little bit. Well, again, Justin, it's great to continue this discussion. Appreciate you and the radio show and the opportunity to be on. Yeah, the, the business skills, you know, I'd, I'd start by saying we all realize that the lifestyle afforded by ranching or agriculture is second to none. It's a great, it's a great way to raise kids and teach them responsibility, but we can't just rely on that lifestyle. There, it is a business. And that's one of the things that we focus on. Probably the biggest piece that we add to a potential manager's toolbox here at the Institute is the business skills. Um, we can be great at taking care of the natural resources, taking care of the livestock, the wildlife, the infrastructure, and we can be great at managing people. But if we're not attentive to the business side of that, uh, sustainability gets to be, gets on shaky ground really, really quick. Mm -hmm. So again, that's where we put the majority of our emphasis as we build a program to educate the students here in our program. I think the ability to, to be able to determine Something as simple, but yet relatively tough to get out is unit cost of production. When I've got a 500 pound lean steer standing there in the winging pens, what did it cost me to get him to that point? Uh, and that includes cost, it includes reproductive performance. Uh, there's a whole bunch of factors that go into that. But if I don't know what it costs me to produce him, I cannot know what a good profitable market price is. So being able to accurately determine unit cost of production is a business skill we spend a lot of time with on our students here. That to, to accurately determine unit cost of production involves, we think, uh, involves managerial accounting as opposed to income tax accounting that can't get you to an accurate unit cost of production. And so managerial accounting in captures all of the costs that are associated with producing uh, a commodity. Uh, take, for example, you know, a, a replacement, a bred two-year-old replacement heifer. What in it, if you, if she was born on your ranch as a calf, you weaned her, developed her, you got her bred, then that process spans over two fiscal years. What did it, can you capture all those expenses and know exactly what it cost you to put that heifer on the books? What's your capitalization cost? Because if you don't know that, it might be cheaper, might be more 
economically efficient and wise for you to buy that replacement effort. Maybe you can buy her cheaper than you can produce her. So knowing that unit cost of production, the ability to analyze opportunities, maybe that's an enterprise, every, all the enterprises you have to determine which one of those is contributing to profitability, which one might be a drain on the sustainability of the ranch, and then evaluate potential opportunities that may come uh, the way of the ranch. I used an example um, earlier about a student that we had did a project with a large ranch in Northeast Nevada, had a beef cattle, cow calf, and a a sheep enterprise. Uh, And as we went into the project, the managerial accounting project, uh, the ranch's uh, the ranch's intention was to do away with the sheep enterprise. Uh, by the time we got done with the project, student completed the project, allocated cost correctly. It turned out the sheep enterprise was the most profitable on a dollars per acre basis enterprise on the ranch. So the business part of that mm-hmm. is absolutely critical. The business management part of a ranch mm-hmm. because it is a business and it needs to yeah. be professionally managed. Yeah. Well, and, and all three elements that you talked about there from knowing your unit cost of production to management accounting and analyzing this, I, I one of the things that came into my head in, in all of that, and you and I discussed this before we were on air here today, and that was being able to analyze enterprises, not necessarily the enterprises you have, but maybe enterprises you could have that are outside of agriculture. Yeah, great point. I think that brings up the whole topic of a diversification. And, and I I contend that diversification for a ranch is important today, but I think it's going to be more important to the sustainability of a ranch as we look to the future. And as we see input costs rising, the uh, profit margins getting squeezed on maybe individual enterprises, the ability to evaluate different enterprises, uh, potential enterprises is going to be critically important. And the ability to, from a business perspective, to address and assess whether or not those enterprises support the vision, mission, and goals of ranch ownership. Um, and, you know, some that come to mind uh, would be wind energy, solar energy, carbon sequestration. Those are, those are very real opportunities out there. May not fit every ranch, may not be available to every ranch, may not fit with the vision, mission, and goals of ownership, but there's any number of those opportunities that are out there today that are above and beyond what the ranch may have traditionally done that have the potential to contribute to profitability and long-term sustainability. Mm-hmm. You know, Rick, I think one of the things is you said that you guys spend a lot of time on is the business management skills of things at the King Ranch Institute. And I think a lot of that probably has to do with this. And, and some guys are saying, okay, now you lost me because I was good with the tactical skills. I was, oh, I think I can manage the people, but yeah, I just hate sitting at a desk. And I, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to be real blunt here, but maybe I, I, we need to be. That's the fact of it. And that's what I guess the purpose of our show here today is these are the things, guys, ladies, whoever looking at it, you, you, you're going to have to come to grips with it. Right. Yeah, I, exactly. And that, I think that separates the ranch managers that are managing the business versus the ranch managers that are passionate about the day-to-day grind, you know, you will have the opportunity to uncover, uh, discover uh, opportunities while sitting behind the computer, uh, manipulating numbers on an Excel spreadsheet or looking at market opportunities that you'd miss if you were just out there doing what you love. And I'm not taking away from being horseback, riding pastures, moving cows, branding calves. That's that's all a, a critical part of 
the lifestyle and the business, but those, the time spent behind the computer screen, doing projections, analyzing enterprises is absolutely invaluable. And that's what separates, in our opinion, separates the professional ranch manager from just good, solid ranch managers is that ability to study the business and analyze the business. Mm -hmm. When we started this segment, Rick, I, I shared the example that I saw this, the three things we were talking about, similar to that of a three-legged stool. And it, it is a balance between these three things. As we talked about, each one important in its own self, each one builds on the next. And that really is the essence of this. I think if you're, you can almost be as damaging if you're, as you, as we were talking about, well, I understand the tactical skills. I, I can go out, I can, I can ride pastures, I can put fence up, I can do those kinds of things. Or I know how to deal with people. But again, we might be have a little bit more strength in one area or the other, but it really is going to be about a balance in these three areas that we've talked about here today. No doubt. No doubt. It's, it, I, I like your analogy of the three-legged stool, much like the three-legged stool we talk about in the sustainability, sustainability message of environment, social, and, and economic. Uh, and oftentimes, as we think about the business component, we spend a lot of time, society spends a lot of time focusing on environmental management, the social aspect, the sustainability. But at the end of the day, if we're not economically sustainable, if the business is not economically sustainable, then it calls into question the sustainability of the ranch as a whole. You and I talked a bit uh, when we were off air about technology available that's changing rapidly and how that that has some changes a little bit in terms of, you know, it used to be that you needed to go through a couple different marketing cycles. You needed to go through a drought or two, uh, good years or two, and and know those cycles before you really could manage well. But technology is kind of shortening that school of hard knocks, as you and I were talking about, up that time frame up a little bit. Explain that. Yeah. And that's just an observation that, that, it just kind of dawned on me in the last year or so watching some of this technology uh, evolve. And, and the example that I used was the, the natural resource management technology platforms that are out there. And I'll just mention a couple, not necessarily promoting them, but just as examples like the range analysis platform that was a multi-agency development, a free tool that's available online. Another one that has come very similar to that in Rich Sag. The technology that the, to be able to to look at the at the resources that are available to you, the forage resources, look at pastures, uh, have a grazing management plan and have be able to track the livestock on a digital map. It's never going to completely replace the eye and the art of management, of natural resource management. But I see te- the changes in technology. I think they're going to offer the opportunity for the young managers to close that gap or to shorten that learning curve, if you will, to your point, you know, somebody that's been managing 20 years has seen the good times, the bad, the drought, the good uh, disease, market swings. But I think this technology is going to make younger people more effective managers than they would have been in the past with a relatively short management tenure. Mm -hmm. As you said that, talking about shortening that learning curve, you can spend 15, 20 years learning some of this stuff. Or you can apply yourself for a couple, three years, go to something like the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management or, or whatever that may be, and shorten that gap up a little bit and get, you know, get yourself going. This is a profession and take it that way. And I know you're always looking for new students. Right. Absolutely. We, you know, we have a, a very small program and we have six students at any, at any one time. 
It's a two-year program, so we get three new students every fall, and we graduate three students every spring. Uh, so we're, we're very small, but we are always in the market for uh, and looking for good students. And again, those students, typically what we're looking for, a BS have completed a BS degree, three to five years minimum experience in the industry, could be in finance, could be in uh, a packing plant, could be in a feed yard, could be managing a ranch, could be wildlife management. There's a diverse, uh, a diverse group of skills and opportunities that fit our really attractive candidates. And then we're, we're blessed that we have endowment funds uh, that we can uh, offer our students. So all six students on an endowed fellowship uh, that pays uh, the base is 48000 a year. for us. So we, in, in effect, pay our students to come back to school. We realized we had to do that because we're asking most of them to leave a job well-established in a community to come back to school. And in the two short years we have them, we really focus on the people management skills and the business management aspect that contributes to the skill set for an effective ranch manager. 50 alumni out there scattered all, through, all across the country are doing a great job. But again, if there's somebody that's listening and you're remotely interested, give us a call, shoot us an email. You can type K-R-I-R-M, King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management, into the Google search engine. And we're typically the first website that will pop up. You can find out about our uh, outreach education program that's available to anybody, as well as our two-year Master of Science degree program. Uh, and we'd love to visit with you. Call us, send us an email, and we're always open to discussion. You bet. Well, Rick, I thank you for taking the time to discuss a subject that has, uh, I think, a lot of interest. And I think for a lot of folks, it's going to be a thought-provoking show for some of the things that we talked about here today. And I appreciate your input in this and for being here on our show today. Yeah, Justin, as always, thank you so much for what you do with the with the radio show. It's always a pleasure to visit with you, and I look forward to next time. Thank you very much. You bet. And again, my guest today, Rick Machen with the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management, giving us some insight regarding the skill sets being needed in today's modern ranching industry. It has changed over the last many years and continues to change. I think there needs to be a mindset of being adaptable as well in this. And so I appreciate his insight in this. Also, folks, like he said, they're always looking for new new people that want to be in their program. You can go to their website. If you search King Ranch Institute in your web browser, that will pop up. Now, something I just want to add as we conclude here too, you might be somebody out there that doesn't have your bachelor's degree. Maybe you went to a year or two of college, you didn't quite uh, get all the way through and you went back to a ranch environment or you're working there and you're wondering, well, I maybe can't do what he was talking about here today. And all I would say is this, there are other avenues. There are other ways that you can continue to advance your management skills as a ranch manager. And so I would encourage you to seek those out. There's other ways. And, and I know Rick would be a proponent of this as well. They've got a great program at the King Ranch Institute. Don't want to take away from that. But I also don't want to discourage other folks out there that might be listening, say, well, I don't even meet their requirements to get into their program. You know what? Don't stop there. Be looking for other ways that you can improve. There's always those opportunities out there. We'll stay with us when we come back. Meteorologist Don Day joins us as we take a look at our long-term weather. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. 
Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Dayweather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Dayweather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we now take a look at our long-term weather and joining us as he is on the road down to Roswell, New Mexico. I was teasing him a little bit before we went on air, another UFO sighting, so he's headed down south, but that I don't know if that's the case. Anyways, uh, as you are on the road headed south and we are in the middle of, the, of Hurricane Hillary hitting the coast off of California and making its way, and we're really going to see some repercussions as far north, clear up into Canada, as that high-pressure system continues to hang right over kansas oklahoma and it's really going to see us that weather kind of whip around and through the maybe west of the continental and some east of the continental divide but as far north as canada yeah that's right it's a really interesting setup that high pressure system you talked about over the center of the country is is very large very dominant but it's also acting like a wall and it's kind of what we call a, a blocking high pressure system so as the hurricane over the last few days as it's formed and gone off the west coast of Baja California west of Mexico there a lot of times the hurricane will get directed out over the open waters of the Pacific and they you know we just don't worry about them anymore but it's hot it's going to help pull what's left of the hurricane into southern California over the next two or three days and then push that moisture as you mentioned all the way north into southern sections of Alberta, Saskatchewan, it, it's a pattern that doesn't happen very often. It's happened historically before. This reminds us of a hurricane Kathleen that happened in 1976 that brought very heavy rains to the desert southwest and as far north as the Pacific Northwest in southern Canada. So it's very similar. We're going to see a heavy rain. We're going to see high winds in, in the desert of California, western Arizona. Then this will go up through Nevada. Las Vegas will get a lot of rain. But we may also pick up some needed rain in eastern Washington, eastern Oregon, uh, up into Idaho with this system as well. On the flip side, though, underneath that big high in the central part of the country, Justin, it's going to be, be hot and dry there for those central Mm-hmm. So that as we look at that and, and we see what's going to happen on the west of the Continental Divide, that high system centered over Kansas, Oklahoma, but we are starting to see some activity in hurricanes out in the Gulf of Mexico moving in there. At some point, in the, if we look down seven to ten days out, are we going to see that high-pressure dome over that center part of the country move one way or the other? Yes, what will happen is we'll start to see some Gulf of Mexico tropical activity start, either a tropical depression or maybe even a tropical storm in the Gulf of Mexico. And that's likely going to track maybe into parts of Texas and then drift northward. So what will end up happening is over time, the high will weaken. So we don't think it's going to be there for two or three weeks, but it's going to have some lingering effects at least here for the next few days. And then we're going to be watching the Gulf and seeing whether or not there's going to be that tropical activity. So things are getting busy, uh, not only in the Eastern Pacific with Hillary 
but the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic is showing signs of life as well. I think the question here with that high pressure system that's been over the top of the center of the country, as we see that break down a little bit, will they start to see some moisture? Well, I do think some of the subtropical moisture will bring some thunderstorms into some of those states. Not all of them, but I, I do see that after the high begins the weekend, that those southern plains will have some opportunities for showers and thunderstorms and a break from the heat as well. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Well, we were I was joking with you a little bit ago about you headed to Roswell, New Mexico. And I guess just for folks' interest, what are you doing in Roswell, New Mexico, if you want to share? Well, I have been in part of my career involved in a lot of what is best described as very high altitude projects in aviation. A lot of times it revolves around balloons. And this time around, that'll be the case. I'm working on a on a project that we can talk about here soon, Justin, that will probably be in the news about some folks trying to break some world records. Okay. All right. Well, I didn't know how much you wanted to share. I knew some of that was in that scope of things. So I just wanted to, in case people were wanting to know, they're like, well, what, what is he doing to Roswell, New Mexico? So anyways, it's not another UFO sighting. It's some other things. And I appreciate you joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Sure. Or maybe I just told you a cover story and really... The real reason is that I am looking for aliens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now now we got now we got everybody wondering. They're going to be like, uh oh, now what are we doing? <laughs> All right. Well, safe drives. Okay. Talk to you soon. You bet. Thanks. And again, that was meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. Catching him on the road as he's headed south to New Mexico. And if you want to find out more about him or tune in each and every day to his video podcast, you can go to his website at dayweather.com. Stay with us. Coming up next, we'll put a wrap on this week's show when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Coming up on next week's edition of the Working Ranch Radio Show, since we had to postpone it into this coming week, meteorologist Don Day will be joining us for the entire episode as we will be sitting down and talking with him on the fall and winter weather outlook for folks all across the country, uh, North America in general. We're going to take a whole big look at it, so that'll be coming up next week. The following week, folks from Oklahoma State University will be joining us as we'll be talking about their virtual fencing research project, all of that coming up on future shows. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. If you want to start your subscription, you can do it simply by going to workingranchmag.com. If you'd like to get a hold of me, my email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com. I'm Justin Mills, and until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.